It's the Hoffman Show. We are live at District E. Block party getting set up here uh, at District E, Capital One Arena Gallery Place. We're on the Team 980, always live on the free Odyssey app. And, yes, we bring the camera with us. We're streaming live on YouTube, too, at the Team 980. Uh, it is a Wizards game day. Dave Johnson uh, back with us a little over an hour from right now. Of course, the story of the week, though, is Monumental Sports taking their teams out to Potomac Yards. At least that is the plan. It's not done yet, but that is the plan uh, to go out to Virginia in 2028. And one of the key guys that's going to have to make that happen is Jim Van Stone, the COO of Monumental Sports Entertainment. And we were able to talk to him a little bit earlier today. And, uh, well, it's not his beat. It is his job. So we're going to go ahead and, and hit the fancy, not my beat imager. Today's top story from the perspective of someone who's there. You are looking live. This just in. Not my beat. And again, there's no one more there than Jim Van Stone. And when I talked to Jim earlier this morning, the first thing I asked him before we got into a lot of the stuff that we've talked about on the show here the last couple of days is, is why. Why did Monumental make this decision to move the teams, the Caps and the Wizards, out to Virginia? I think for us is uh, really about expanding our overall portfolio. We have an opportunity to uh, move four and a half miles away from Capital One Arena, you know, at Potomac Yard, and it really affords us an opportunity to have a full campus, an immersive sports entertainment campus. And, you know, what's part of it is a 19,000 seat arena, you know, probably six to 7,000 seat music venue, uh, a new Wizards training facility corporate headquarters, esports facilities, a new studio for our MyML Sports Network. So, you know, for us, it really is an opportunity to bring all of our organization together in one platform, but also really think forward in the future about having the most incredible fan engagement uh, complex that any sports arena has seen. So I think those are some of the things that we're working on. That was really the impetus for us was something that we could do that would be transformational. And, you know, I, I feel like we're very lucky and fortunate in this marketplace. D.C. is our home, but our drawing really is north of Baltimore, south of Richmond. And that's almost eight million people that are fans of, you know, both our Wizards and and our Capitals. So for us, it was really a unique experience and it was so close to home that it seemed to work out really, really well. So I think when I heard you on Grant and Danny the other day, you basically said that the campus element you just described is the pull, that there's just nothing that DC could have done because the space that you guys are looking for is not available within the district. It is only available in a place like Virginia, or perhaps it could have been available somewhere in in Maryland, um, but somewhere where there's suburban levels of space. So just to be clear, if, if DC had given that $600 million that Ted Leonsis is looking for, three months ago, and there's a million reasons that have been well reported as to why that couldn't happen, refinancing, et cetera. If that money had come, there's still no way that you guys would be keeping both teams in the district. You know, we we don't think the infrastructure of where we're located really supported that. We think there's big visions for Capital One uh, Arena. We want to continue to operate it. We think there's the ability to do 100 plus events a year. You know, we talk about, you know, internally the growth of women's sports, and we think there's an opportunity for our mystics to come over and play in a 10 to 20,000 seat arena uh, over the next couple of years. We think there's a huge concert opportunity. Uh, We think there's family show events that because our building right now is one of the busiest buildings in the country and even globally, we miss on shows that we think we can now bring to this community. But I also think we have a responsibility to look at more diverse offerings like for example this year in in the music side of our business i mean we'll do about 60 concerts 
We're doing about a dozen of them in, in the Latin and Hispanic market, and that is a booming opportunity. So just the diversity of events, Craig, we think is really unique. And then the other piece that I think we have arguably one of the best convention centers in the world, you know, basically blocks away from us. They book conventions multiple years out. Our schedule doesn't provide us the opportunity to do joint partnerships on, on that end. So if they have a major convention coming in uh, to the convention center that's 10, 20,000 people, we think that we're a great opportunity for them to host some single events as part of a major convention. So we think the opportunities are really good for us. And, you know, we think the, the, the proximity of being four miles away in terms of arena to campus or a mile from the border of the district, we think it is really staying in this community. Jim Van Stone, Monumental Sports is with us. And Jim, undoubtedly, you've heard the criticism from Clinton Yates, Michael Wilbon, Barry Sverluga, David Aldridge, myself, about the cultural element of this. It's something you can't put a number on. You are taking a city game out of the city. What kind of responsibility do you guys feel about that? And, you know, I guess a, a, almost a fair question is like, how did you weigh that responsibility in all, amongst all of the other factors that you considered and ultimately wound up weighing you to, to leave, uh, especially with the Wizards? So we pride ourselves in, in being a, a customer first organization. I mean, we've always been that way from that standpoint. So we weight everything. I mean, you know, we believe that we connect with our fans as well as any organization out there. Uh, we do a lot of research. We do a lot of engagement from that standpoint. I mean, we, we appreciate everyone's, you know, opinions, value everyone's opinions from that standpoint. You know, I, I think we have a runway of the next five years or so to really start to build that, you know, uh, information model, that education model to make sure that that transition is as seamless as it can be, Craig. So, you know, we take great pride in that. We take a lot of responsibility in that end. So, you know, we, we definitely have some work to do. I mean, you know what, we're, we're, we're not shy about saying that. I mean, you know, and by no means do we think that we're taking the game out of the city. I, I think, you know what, we think we are really expanding the opportunities and the future vision for this is to really uh, elevate that engagement opportunity at a much broader and higher level. So, you know, and I think what, what what's great about us is that, you know, we represent this region of 8 million people from Baltimore to, to, to you know, Richmond and basketball in the DMV is the best marketplace in the country. So we would never want to lose that connection. I mean, it's part of who we are as an organization. And, you know, even on the other side of our business, the hockey market, I mean, we have been one of the fastest growing youth hockey markets in the country. So, you know, we think there is an opportunity where maybe some of the other sports, you know, the market split in half. I mean, we feel like we own the entire region, but we are committed to D.C. and, and we're committed to, to keeping those levels of engagement. So I don't disagree with you that you guys have been incredibly involved with D.C. I mean, the Twitter bio is for the district. Um, the Boundary Stone thing is something that we're all learning about. Um, it is incredibly D.C. So D.C. that most people in D.C. had not heard of it. Um, but along those lines, like it makes it hurt all that much more, I think, for a lot of folks to say, you know, you say like, hey, we don't feel like we're pulling the team from the city, but like you fundamentally are, it's going outside of the border. And, and it, I hear you when you say like, there's a, there's a runway here, there's education potential. So can you give me and the audience an idea of what that actually looks like to bridge that gap, potentially literally bridge that gap of the fundamental fact that you are taking the team out of DC, but you, you want to leave some of the soul and connect the, to the soul of the city? You know, uh, I, I think it's definitely doing a lot more community programs and, and we'll be committed to that. I, I think it's really working collectively with, 
you know, people that are really close to our organization, people that are close to uh, the marketplace. I mean, I, I don't have all the answers today, you know, but I do know that we have a commitment to, to focusing on that as we kind of move forward and, you know, hopefully making that transition as seamless as we can. And, you know, uh, I, I, like I said, I, I respect everyone's, you know, feedback. I mean, you know, some of the folks that you mentioned, I, I really value their opinions. I mean, you know, so that makes it even more uh, for us about what we're going to do to make that transition, you know, smooth as we kind of move forward and stuff like that. But I do think long term that the opportunity over there is a real game changer. It is going to be the best, you know, sports entertainment campus in the entire country. You know, and that's what we're going to have the ability to build out. It's going to be based on uh, the principles of basketball, the principles of hockey, the fan experience, the fan engagement side of it. So, you know, we definitely have some work uh, ahead of us and we haven't been shy to say that from that end, but we are committed to this region and and the district. And that's why we want to continue to operate, you know, even in Capital One Arena with the diversity of events from that standpoint. So there's work ahead of us. I mean, you know what? We, mm -hmm. I haven't been shy in, in, in saying that. Uh, Jim Van Stone, Monumental Sports President and CEO, so the President of Business and CEO is with us. So along those lines, um, you mentioned Capital One Arena is still going to be something that you operate. Um, the the Mystics certainly, I think, would be great there um, if they can continue to grow at the rate that they and the WNBA have. I was I was very pleased to hear you uh, include the NWSL as somebody who used to work for the Spirit um, in your answer to, to G&D about this yesterday or Wednesday. Um, but I'm curious with some of the consternation that we've been talking about and with the, the idea accomplish or the idea you're trying to accomplish to have more flexibility on this campus, was there ever a consideration of splitting the teams, having the, the wizards practice facility be new and everything that you've talked about that does sound amazing. I want to dive into more of that in a second, but keeping the wizards games at capital one arena, allowing the capitals to play in this new arena and still accomplishing some of the flexibility in terms of dates, whatever. Was that ever a consideration? Why or why not? I, I, I don't I don't think so. I mean, you know, I, I, I think, uh, you know, you then get in a, a situation where you're you're picking, for example, your son or your daughter. I mean, you know what? They, we want one family and we want to be cohesive together from that standpoint. And you know what? We want to afford an opportunity for all the fans coming into our live events and our arenas to have the very best experience. And you know what? there was never a consideration from that standpoint. I, I think, you know, for us, it was more about the opportunity uh, to diversify the overall portfolio of what we offer. And, you know, we manage multiple venues in the greater Washington region. I think collectively, we probably do over 400 events a year, about 5 million people through all the turnstiles that we operate because we manage Eagle Bank Arena, you know, at George Mason University from, from an operation and a booking standpoint. So, you know, but we never had any thoughts of keeping one team here and then, you know, moving one team to the new campus. I mean, it just, you know, we want to make sure that when we go into something that is state of the art and brand new, that everyone has the same type of opportunity to experience that. You know, and there's a, a couple simple things. I mean, one of the things that's great about our market and the fans is, you know, for the example, the retail experience. I mean, unfortunately, we have the smallest retail store, you know, of NBA any NBA or NHL team. So having, you know, a store that could be two or three times the size of what we have, you know, hopefully it offers even more opportunities for our fans to get engaged with the products, you know, if they're interested in retail merchandise. So I just think the overall platform, you know, for us with it being a full campus, what was a really, you know, big driver for us overall. 
Uh, one of the examples you've mentioned in terms of uh, like kind of, hey, it's worked here is Philadelphia. You're a Philly, uh, per, you know, Philly guy originally. My wife is from Philadelphia, so I've spent quite a bit of time there. And um, also as someone who used to be on the commander's beat, like I've covered a game in Philly every single year. I've been to that complex many times. I just, I see that campus as very different in part in terms of how accessible it is. The, the highways in and out are very easy. Um, there was public transportation that was designed to get people there. You have sounded very confident that you can overcome some of the logistical hurdles that are in place to get folks to Alexandria, whether that's from Maryland, from DC, from other parts of Northern Virginia um, or South, frankly, um, as you mentioned, your, your area is kind of down to Richmond. Why are you so confident that you can overcome some of those hurdles and have the success that a Philadelphia style campus has had? Because we have a commitment from uh, the Commonwealth. We have a commitment from the city. We have a personal commitment into it to really take a look at the transportation, the ingress, egress in a really broad landscape. Uh, there is a brand new uh, metro stop at Potomac Yard. You know, so we think there is opportunities. There's a commitment and a financial commitment to really you know, augment the infrastructure from that standpoint. So we think there there is a huge opportunity on that end. If this was happening next season, I, I certainly would be, you know, nervous, but we're talking five years out. So, you know, that definitely gives a lot of time for planning and, and, and really revitalizing the transportation methodology to get in there. So we're, we're bullish on it. And, you know, I, I think that was a big, you know, uh, discussion point as we went through all the conversations was really that that ingress egress for our fans. And I think we'll be in a great platform as we get there. Uh, the president of Metro did come out the other day, though, and say like, hey, no one talked to me about this. Do you have any comment on that? Because it seems like that's an important person that should be in the loop. Yeah, I, 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 I have not personally. But I mean, you know, certainly uh, the state and the city. I mean, that's definitely a, a, a focus of theirs. And, you know, I think for us, you know, really it is critical for our fans. And you know, that's the thing is we want people to have a smooth experience driving to that campus. We want them to be there early. We want their, them to be on time for the games and then we want them to stay late. So, you know, making sure that that transportation uh, opportunity is, is, you know, really well done is, is critical in the overall landscape. Um, back to the D.C. sides of this. What like. I, I think this is an opportunity, obviously, for Gallery Place um, to be rethought, revitalized, reimagined, and it's going to have to be because the economy has changed post-pandemic in a way that, like, we're in a completely new world now, and it's, it's something that you have thought a lot about as a president of business operations of a company that size. So as you've talked to the city and and had your discussions, whether they were anticipating the Caps and Wizards staying or not, like what does that what does that area look like by 2030? Is it still a business district? Does it become more residential? Like what 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 is the future uh, of that neighborhood uh, the way you see it? And how does your business uh, and what Capital One Arena will become play a role in that? You know, I would hope that it still is a, a great entertainment district because honestly, the diversity of events that I think that we can bring into the facility, you know, are going to be really unique and different from that standpoint. I mean, we are still blocks from, you know, the mall, the greatest park in, in the world. And, you know, we've got all these great monuments around us. So I think it's going to be a vibrant community. Uh, I, I feel like it's going to be strong. And I, I think we can be, you know, a, a, a fantastic anchor in, in the overall you know, stability of, of, you know, the Penn Quarter District. So I, I think there's a bright future ahead. And, you know, I think we're going to have to think differently organizationally and in partnership, you know, with the district and really uh, the whole neighborhood from that standpoint. But I think we can really make it, you know, very, very vibrant and continue that process. I mean, the one great thing about the venues that, that, that we manage and operate is 
they are memory platforms for families and fans and everyone. So I, I think, you know what, uh, it's going to be a commitment for us to do that. And, you know, hopefully we can really help support the local neighborhood in, you know, keeping it as vibrant as it is. Um, I'd almost like to ask you the same question, but this time more generally as a subject matter expert than as as the president of Monumental Sports. But since 1992, like there has been the Camden Yards model of like, let's build an arena stadium or whatever in a business district. People will go after work. Obviously, that model is now destroyed because of telework and remote work. So as one of the first teams doing this in this post-pandemic era, like what is the future of stadiums for sports teams and how they are tied to where they've been for the last 25 years? Well, you know what? Our, our businesses are interesting. You know, we had these great buildings that, you know, probably had the most, the most immersive experiences that you can imagine. I mean, look at all the LEDs and the signage and the scoreboards and everything. We literally open them up an hour before an event and close them right after. You know, so I think we have to think differently as a, an organization and industry of how we can make these things really unique and different. One of the things that we opened up about two years ago inside Capital One Arena was a, a KPMG Innovation Lab. And basically, it is a full day-long program uh, that KPMG brings in clients to go through an immersive experience about how they're approaching their businesses and what future opportunities are. We have to think differently about how we operate these to drive more you know, traffic down. And I think that model could be unique and different. I mean, you know, having these be, you know, the modern WeWorks, you know, during the day and then filter into you know, a, a building event in the evening or a great entertainment event, I think is unique and different. That could be something that we think about, you know, as we reimagine, you know, beyond the 120 or 130 events that we want to do a year here at the arena at Capital One, how we utilize it during the business day. Uh, Jim Van Stone, wrapping up with him. He is the president of uh, business operations and COO of Monumental Sports. Um, the Congress Heights location, ESA, um, what happens with that now? Because like, it's one thing, sure, to have the go-go play there, but the G League is for development. It's not like, while well, you hope to put on a great fan experience, certainly like that's not its primary function. Um, and that agreement is not very old. The city just gave some money uh, to Monumental for that. So what happens at that location and the commitment you guys have made to Congress Heights? Well, I think the training facility we think is a, a unique uh, opportunity for the, for the Mystics. We think that could be a full-time Mystics WNBA training facility. Uh, you know, we do think we, the go-go is going to continue to grow. We think the G League is going to continue to, to grow. There is a lot of passion about basketball, you know, a, as a whole. And we want to work in partnership with Events DC to, to help, you know, even book more events there together, you know, from that standpoint. It's a dynamic and great building. You know, I think the growth of women's sports, though, there is going to come a plateau where we need more seats in a building than what it, what it currently provides. But you know, I, I think we're going to hopefully work together and figuring out strategies and seeing how we can support. But we'd love the go-go to continue for a long, long time to play there. We think it's the perfect size and the perfect opportunity uh, for a G League team. Uh, and then last but not least, uh, the other president in the uh, in the, the corporation is Michael Winger, uh, the president of basketball operations, uh, or one of the other presidents, I should say. Uh, and he was a huge uh, player in the Clippers practice facility coming together that they have, I think, now opened or about to open. I know they're about to open the, the stadium, uh, the arena next year. What has it been like working with him on this and how helpful has he been for the practice facility side of it and kind of the some of the bigger picture stuff, having just gone through it in L.A.? Uh, you know what? I feel uh, very fortunate. Michael's a brilliant partner. And, you know, I will say organizationally, 
we were very collaborative. We've been that way between the team side and the business side for a long time. So, you know, he's got a lot of great ideas. He's got recommendations and, you know, we've all been working really seamlessly from that standpoint. So, you know, hey, we we are going through a transition process and we, we've told people that, I mean, you know, we want to get more young talent and that's kind of our, our focus and goal as we move forward. And we've got a great group of players that are also equally committed to the community and stuff. So it's been great. And Michael's done a great job, him and Will coming in, you know, and we're excited about the future. I, I think uh, the future is bright for us. And you know what, having them a part of it and, and doing some really great things is, is going to make us even better. Uh, Jim, this was really insightful. I appreciate your time. And uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to catch up uh, as things progress over the next couple of years. I appreciate it, Craig. I love everything that you're doing and keep up the great work. Love the show. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. All right. That was Jim Van Stone, president of business operations and COO of Monumental Sports and Entertainment. Uh, if you tuned in in the middle of that, missed any portion, of course, you can rewind in the free Odyssey app or that interview will be up on YouTube shortly in the podcast feed shortly as well. When we get back here on a football Friday presented by your local Honda dealer, we will go around the NFL. Our pick six at six coming as well. Dave Johnson at 615. Lots to come as we broadcast live from District E at Gallery Place on the Team 980. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. I am live at District E today where the block party is getting set up, set up right now. Uh, doors are open here if you want to go and uh, get some food over in the District E restaurant side of things. And there's all kinds of fancy camera equipment and stuff set up over here. Uh, that, that There's going to be a live performance at 6 o'clock. Uh, so, Anthony, for our pick six, we're going to have different background music today. We're going to have whatever is live here at District D. Okay. I'm with that. Okay. Are you? Sure. All right. I'm good with it. I don't really have much of a choice at this point. <laughs> I'm about to say, I just <laughs> wish. I'm like, well, damn. Well, you guys are setting up all this fancy camera equipment. Why, do, why couldn't we have uh, – we could have borrowed and done some test shots, you know? I could have – I brought my, my good fancy camera from home. Because uh, I thought we were going to need uh, some, some Zoom capabilities today, Anthony, uh, to zoom in and zoom out because I thought we were going to have a guest on set uh, and said that guest was going to join us next week. Uh, but uh, we, uh, I'm like, why, why couldn't we have, have gotten a fancy camera shot radio show today? That could have been cool. That would have been sick. There's a lot of here. Actually, at the risk of screwing up my entire uh, Uh-oh. setup here, um, I'm going I'm to show you and the folks who are watching on YouTube behind the scenes here. First of all, there's, there's uh, Harvey Grant and Michael Adams, Wizards, Wizards legends. Uh, they're, they're, and there's Dave, speaking of legends, Dave Satchel, old, yes, uh, WUSA uh, cameraman who was there for 40 years. Uh, so those guys are here. Um, come on, camera. Apparently I need to swivel the other way. So we're going to come back around past me. Uh, there's, hey, Chris. There's, there's Chris, the engineer. Uh, oh, and I can't apparently go all the way around because this camera has 180 degrees and I'm in the exact wrong 180 degrees. So I was going to show everybody everything, but I don't have a 360-degree panorama. Dang. You know who does have a 360-degree panorama? Me? All these cameras that – no, you, your uh, camera doesn't move at all unless nope. you pick it up and wander it around. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I 
I, uh, they, there's all these, they, we got cameras on tracks. We got camera, like steady cam situations. Got a lot going on. Uh, anyway, Anthony, it's apropos of none of that. The point is there's a bunch of cool stuff happening down here at Gallery Place, uh, which feels very weird in this week. I'm just going to admit that with the irony of what it is uh, and that they're unveiling a court with the district on it tonight. But, alas, it is time to go around the NFL. So, Anthony, did you get the email of the clip that I sent you earlier? Yeah, a previous I got it. edition of Around the NFL. I got it, but I never let me download it right now. Okay, so I'll set it up while you you get it ready. Uh, Thursday night game last night. So we're as we're walking out of the building last night, uh, Anthony and I after the show. Anthony was a little bit behind me, and he runs to catch up to shout down the block uh, down there off of Half Street. Hey, Craig, I got the Raiders tonight. And uh, I was like, oh, um, I, I do too. So there's 1-0, good picks by us. And a couple of weeks ago when we were in around the NFL, uh, actually it was the week, Anthony, that you were out, Vic Ferreira picked games uh, in, your, in your stead. And Vic actually made a prediction about the Chargers that turned out to be pretty prescient. No, like eventually players have to do it. But I do think there is something to the atmosphere and the comfortability that a team plays with that the Chargers just don't seem to have that confidence to make those plays. And I, by the way, I would say the exact same thing about the Commanders. And that's that's the difference that. in good and bad teams. Like who is on the more of a hot seat? Brandon Staley or Ron Rivera? Um, I think Rivera, but I think they're both gone. You know, like Staley's... Staley, like, Rivera's Chargers, got excuses. But the Chargers were supposed to be real good, I feel like. Yeah, and, like, they made the playoffs last year, but they had a an epic meltdown against the Jags. And it just feels like his teams always melt down. And I think if you're the owner out in L.A., like, you, like we have our quarterback. I would probably just elevate Kellen Moore if I like him, who's the O.C., and continue that relationship. But it's uh, it's not good, man. I mean— Shake, trying to shake off that loss last year to Jacksonville in the playoffs. I mean, that one's a tough one to swallow. Yeah, it and, is. And it just it makes me feel like I don't know if he's going to last to the end of the year too. Uh, they're pretty. They've been historically a cheap franchise, so I think he's probably good to the end of the year. Um, Whoops! And and Vic Ferreira with the prediction nailed it. Bye bye, Brandon Staley. Good good night. Good luck. Uh, you are 24 and 24 as a head coach, and that is apparently going to be your record until you get your next head coaching job. So uh, we're, we both got the game right last night, Anthony. Vic Ferreira got the coach firing right. Yeah, that was insane. I, I don't think if they get embarrassed like they did yesterday that he's fired. No. Maybe it's a if, if it's a close game, but after going out there and <laughs> – Getting destroyed by the Raiders, who hadn't scored an offensive touchdown in 20 possessions. That's insane. Yeah. Like, the Raiders got shut out the week before. Yep. And they dropped 42 in the first half and 63 overall on Brandon Staley, the defensive coach. Whoopsie daisies. Uh, And, like, they just hadn't scored. Fine. But you can't be the defensive guru and give up 63 to Aiden O'Connell, all due respect, and the Raiders. Okay. To the games uh, still yet to come as we go around the NFL on a football Friday presented by your local Honda dealer. 
Vikings and Bengals. Bengals are actually three-point favorites at home here. More battles of the backup QB. Certainly when NFL Network put this as a Saturday game, uh, they, they did not expect it to be Jake Browning versus Nick Mullins. Yep. Ugh. Uh, Josh Dobbs relegated all the way to the third string. I guess I'll take Cincinnati at home here. I don't feel great about either of these teams because it just feels like they're both playing with house money, and they it, it's a house of cards. But the Bengals have looked really good the last couple of weeks. Vikings have been all over the place. They, they of course, you know, they won last week, but they were on the other side of the three nothing score. They, they had the three. Uh, I will take Cincinnati at home. Uh, I think I'm going to take Cincinnati as well. Um, Jake Brown, he's done a great job of just getting the ball out of his hand. I, I wouldn't say the Vikings' pass rush poses all that big of a threat. They play a lot of zone defense, and I think Jake Brown, he's going to be in a position to just take what the defense has given him and uh, just follow through with the Bengals' game plan. Nick Mullins, not too high on. I think the Bengals get after him. I'm going Bengals Mullins is a big boomer bus guy. He's really talented. He's just yeah. not consistent remotely. So, um, you know, he can perform very well, um, but, you know, it, 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 we'll see. Uh, Steelers and your boys, Indianapolis favored by one and a half at home. I can't believe Pittsburgh is now in a position where they are seven and six and and not favored against Gardner Minshew and the Colts. But that is where we are now at this point in the season. Colts not exactly crushing it since uh, you know since Jonathan Taylor re-exited the lineup. So uh, I'll let you go first on this one as the in-house Colts expert. Who we got? Well, you already know who I'm rocking with. I'm rocking with them Colts, baby. Saturday, primetime game. Uh, the defense, the defense sort of kind of got beat up last week. Um, I, I think Not great. We, yeah. The weeks before that leading up to it, the defense playing exceptionally well, special teams playing exceptionally well um, in spite of, you know, what the offense was doing. But I think if the Colts are going to be successful and ultimately make, try to make a playoff run, they're going to have to be led by the defense. I already talked to Zaire. He's ready. Um, Inside I'm, sauces. <laughs> I'm going with the Colts. I think they bounce back this week. Uh, I'm going to go with them as well in part because I just refuse to pick the Steelers anymore because they're <laughs> playing with the backup quarterback. Their offense is terrible, and I don't like them. Um, Broncos, uh, not nothing personal. Like I don't, I don't dislike the Steelers personally. Just yeah. I don't like their football team. They're, they're hideous to watch. And then they win. It makes me angry. Uh, Broncos and Lions, a team that was the hottest team in the league to start the year versus the team that is the hottest team in the league. Broncos have lost just once since their horrid start. They are 3-3 three and three away from home. They're indoors against Detroit. Detroit, four-and-a-half-point favorites. Is this the week the Lions get back on track? I don't know what to pick here. It's four and a half of Stinky Fish, Craig. It does kind of feel like they're begging you to pick the Broncos. Ah, because why? I feel like most people would pick Denver straight up in this game, the way the two teams have played as of late. Yeah. So if, if they're giving you four and a half, that feels a little fishy to me. Well, give me them Broncos, Craig. You're such a sucker. Give me them Broncos, baby. To be honest, Craig, they should have beaten the Texans. That was a bad loss. Three second half interceptions by Russ. I don't expect Russ to be that bad. I don't expect it. Um, and yeah, I just I'm I'm not. I used to be high on the Lions, but 
they they're hit or miss for me now. Like they, they are hit or miss. Super inconsistent. Like one game they're putting up mad in numbers. They, another game they're but they're still nine and four. They are. The problem is two of those four have come in the last two weeks, <sighs> and they've happened going one of five on fourth down, back to back weeks. Yeah, that's <laughs> nuts. It's not happening again. And so they've got to clean up the turnovers. They've got to be better on fourth down or be okay punting the football or taking field goals, whatever the situation calls for. They've just got to be smarter managing the game from head coach to quarterback. And I think they can be. And so that plus the fact that this is a a, a smelly, stinky fish because they're begging you to take the Broncos. I refuse to be a sucker. And I'm going to take the Lions. Well, I'm a sucker because I'm going with the Broncos, baby. Let's go, Russ. Let's cook something. Uh, Bears and Browns. Browns 8-5 and five on the year. And now Joe Flacco's got a shiny new contract. He wins out. He could win as much. Or not win as much. I guess literally he could win as much, earn as much as $4.05 million after he has been great for them. Defense is still a little shaky, but they've been able to figure it out. Bears... They're, speaking of teams that are wildly up and down, when they look good, man, like what they did obviously to Washington on that Thursday night, what they what they did last week to Detroit, like, damn, when they look good, they look good. But when they're bad, they are unplayable. Um, Cleveland, three-point favorites at home. Who you got? This one's tough. Uh, I'm going to go Cleveland. I want to go Justin Fields, though. I think he's, you know, he's turned a corner a little bit. He got healthy. The Bears are clicking. The Bears' defense is playing top five defensive football. But I don't know. I, I like They have been top I five like, since Montez got there, which exactly. is crazy. But I yep. like Flacco. You want like to know what I call that? Unsustainable. Yeah, and, and you know what the Bears are? If I was sitting, <laughs> if I was sitting opposite of you right now, in my studio back at Half Street instead of broadcasting live here from District D, I click the little Charlie Brown button that says, I'm going to kick that football clear to the moon. And then what is ha- what happens? Lucy pulls the football, yep. and he falls on his bum every single time. That's who the Bears are. Every time I'm going to pick Chicago, I am Charlie Brown trying to kick that dumb football. And so I'm not going to do it. I'm going to pick the Browns. Even though I don't like the Browns and feel like they're just Charlie Brown, uh, now mixing metaphors, but they're Charlie Brown slash the Spider-Man meme. Every time I go to pick them, they let me down too. But I got to pick someone. I'll go with Cleveland. Cleveland, this is for you. Uh, Buccaneers and Packers, Green Bay, three and a half point favorites. Again, a team that I just I don't know what to make of them. Every time, every time we think that they figured it out. They fall back down. They're six and seven. Buccaneers are six and seven. I'm actually going to go with Tampa for the road upset here. Tampa's got a lot to play for. They can they control their destiny as all the teams do in the NFC South that are not Carolina. I'm going Tampa. Oh, I think I'm going to go with Tampa as well. Uh, man, remember I'm, when you never picked anybody to win at Lambeau? Yeah. Although Green Bay is four and two, uh, now I'm doubting myself. What are they? Green Bay's four and two at home. Tampa's three and four on the road. It's I just, hate this time of year in the NFL. Me too. Everybody's just what's especially the NFL because in this year because and no one's good. No, except for the San Francisco 49ers. Everybody's here. Everybody's here. Everybody's everybody's painfully mediocre. 
It is literally any given Sunday in the NFL for most of these teams. I mean, the Packers The Packers have alternated wins and losses for four straight weeks. You mean to tell me I'm supposed to predict what they're going to do? Oh, so they lost last week to the Giants, right? Uh, They... Yep. Or no, sorry. Yeah, no, they Monday had night. one. They had one three straight, and then I was looking at the wrong end of their schedule. Oh. They had one three straight, and then lost to the Giants. So are they going to lose three straight? Why do you think <laughs> I know, Anthony? Just because I pick I pick more games right than you doesn't mean I actually know anything. Oh, ow, that, that was, was cruel. Yeah, that. See, look, I was going to agree with you, Craig. I'm going with the Packers. Go Pack, go. What if I change my mind and I also want to go with the Packers? Well, I'm going with the Bucks. Okay, I got the Packers. Oh my God, are you serious? It's no, okay. I think I think at Lambeau the cold scares me with Tampa. All right. No, no, what? Screw it. I, I'll commit to it. I said the Bucks. I'll stay the Bucks. Well, all right, so I'm Panthers. So you're Packers. you're Packers. Uh, I'm gonna laugh so hard when Tampa wins that game. Texans, Titans uh, in Tennessee. Tennessee, a four point favorite. C.J. Stroud not playing with the concussion. Uh, I'm guessing that is why that line is that way. Uh, I'm making an assumption there. I will double-check that he has officially been ruled out. Uh, he's officially listed as doubtful. So you're looking at Davis Mills. And you know who the uh, the backup for Davis Mills is going to be? Who? Former Washington quarterback, Case Keenum, baby. Wow. Yeah. He's still in the league? Yeah. I mean, Case Keenum, Houston Cougar legend. So I guess it makes sense that he's uh, wrapping things up. Uh, for his career down in Houston. Uh, Tennessee, four-point favorites coming off that win over Miami where they they pull it out. What a wild game that was, too, by the way. Yeah. It's not even like they came back and won it with like as time expired. They went from down 14 to up one in a minute and a half. Yeah. I'll go Tennessee in this one. I'm going Tennessee as well. Um, I want them to continue winning. You know, they picked up their fifth win, get that sixth win against a little more uh, draft cushion for the old Mandos. Hey, look, that's all I'm thinking about, Craig. That's all I'm thinking about. So let's go Titans. Jets, Dolphins. Jets at 5-8, and eight, by the way. Draft relevant for Washington. Miami, nine-and-a-half point favorites after they suffered that horrendous loss last week. Um, obviously, Tyreek Hill, another week to get that ankle healthy after he missed part of the first half last week. Uh, I'm going to go with Miami on the road to get this divisional win. Or, sorry, Miami at home to get this divisional win. Is Tyree playing? Yeah. Okay. Just making sure because he had a little ankle injury that he sustained last game. That's yeah, why but he came it. back in the, that game, and he's listed as questionable for this one. Okay. I'm going to go with the Dolphins. One too. thing that I think is worth watching, though, in terms of their performance these last couple of weeks, in terms of deciding how serious they are as contenders, is what happens on the interior of their offensive line. Their offensive line gets protected by their scheme a lot, something we talked about a lot before they played the Commanders. But they lost Connor Williams, their starting center, who was having a good year. Um, so that's going to be interesting to watch moving forward. Chiefs, Patriots, one, two, three. Chiefs. Chiefs. Giants, Saints, New Orleans, five-and-a-half-point favorites over the red-hot Danny DeVito-led. Guy did it again. Tommy DeVito-led. New York Giants, can he take the Italian, you know, whatever this is, on the road? It's a great question, Greg. But I'm going with my brother from another mother, Derek Carr. David Carr, 
Derek Carr. Derek, Derek Carr. <laughs> a game so bad that we can't remember the quarterback's first names. Yes. We're Sports Talk Professionals. Aw, <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm going with the Saints, man. I, I think the jig is up, Craig. DeVito, he's had his time. It's up. They're going to come back down to earth. I'm going with the Saints. Yeah, I uh, I agree with you. I, I I think that the defense is is too good. Uh, that that eventually they've got to the Giants' offense has to come back down to earth. Uh, Falcons, Panthers. How about this? Atlanta is only favored by three in this game. Three. That's so random. At Carolina, who I cannot stress this enough, is a terrible football team. Terry Blair. We both taking Atlanta? Yeah, I think this is a one-two. I don't think I'll ever pick the Panthers. I can't do a one-two-three on a game where there's a three-point spread. That's fair. I'm going with the Falcons. So am I. Uh, 49ers and Cardinals won. Actually, that's a divisional game. San Francisco is favored by 12. San Francisco's looked unstoppable. This does feel like, like I would take the Cardinals plus the points here, which I know sounds crazy because the Niners are killing everyone. But that's the kind of thing that happens in the NFL, which is why they air condition the desert. But straight up, San Francisco on the road. They're on that fast track indoors. Easy, easy uh, pick, obviously. Yeah, I'm going with the 49ers. Fully healthy, fully staffed. There's no team in, in, in football today that's competing with them. Uh, Commanders, Rams, one, two, three. Rams. Rams. Yikes, man, that yeah. hurt. That didn't feel good. Nope. That didn't. We're just we're short on time, so you know, got to get it in. Uh, Cowboys Bills game Woo! of the Woo! weekend. Four twenty-five down or up in Buffalo. Cowboys not as good on the road. This is going to be interesting. Cowboys just three and three away from AT and T Stadium. Bills five and two at home. They're favored by two and a half, and the total in this game is 50 and a half. That is a high, high number. I'd probably still take the over unless the weather is going to be terrible. Um, it's going to be 49 degrees with some rain. Mm, mm, feels was, like Buffalo Bills weather to me. Yeah. Uh, I'm taking Buffalo. You're taking I'm, Buffalo? I, I, this does not change what I feel about Dallas. I think they're legitimately dangerous. But I'm going to take Buffalo. Cowboys coming coming off a high. They've won how many straight games? They're due. Due theory. Uh, this is your They've theory. won one, two, three, four, five games in a row. I think I'm going to go with the Cowboys. Okay. I, I, will, I will yell out, a, how about them Cowboys? But I, I remember I, yeah, where you, you don't, are. Don't, don't, yeah. We don't need to turn heads like that. Yeah. Here, please. <laughs> Behave yourself, sir. I'm uh, Ravens, Jags. This game should be better. Uh, I mean, Ravens only favored by three and a half, but this game is in Jacksonville. Sunday nighter. Do things get weird, or does Baltimore just just keep rolling? I'm going with the Ravens. Uh, I don't think literally in every game that they've played, I think they've they've never truly been dominated. They've been doing the dominating. Yeah. Um, so I think if the Jags do have a chance, they're going to have to. You know, score a little, um, put up some points, but which I don't, I don't trust them to do at this yeah. point. Like I just don't trust the Jags at all. So I'm picking the Ravens. Uh, and then Monday Night Football, Eagles travel to Seattle. They're three point favorites on the road against the Seahawks. Uh, I will take Philly to bounce back, get right. They've lost two in a row. 
um, I think there's opportunity for them to have a, a decent day against. Look, that's it's a tough matchup for them. They like to throw the ball outside of their receivers a ton. Seattle's secondary is fantastic. Um, but I, I think that they get back to running the football. I think that can be done against Seattle. And then Seattle offensively, um, you know, we'll see what they can do against a, a Philly defense that's got obviously some very good personnel and um, is probably a little ticked off with how the last couple of weeks have gone. Ah. Uh. I think I'm going to go with the Seahawks. Wow. I think I'm going to go with the Seahawks. Philly's secondary is terrible, Craig. It, it, hasn't, terrible. it has not performed well as of late. You are correct on that. I'm thinking the C- – the, again, a lot of these games are definitely styles, make fights kind of uh, situations. But I think the, the Seahawks have the, the DBs to go out there and compete against Devontae Smith and, and they do. Brown. But I'm also like – they, their DBs are really good. And, like, Tariq Woolen's huge. Yeah. But can he match up, like, bulk-wise with A.J. Brown? We'll find out. Uh, it should will. be a fun one on Monday Night Football. Those are our picks. Uh, next, we pick six. Six commanders who we think will have the biggest uh, impact on the game against the Rams. Then Dave Johnson joins us from upstairs at Capital One Arena at 6.15. It's the Hoffman Show broadcasting live from the Block Party at District E on the Team 980, always live on the free Odyssey app and streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980.